Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, One Church in Global Locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and that harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Remain standing. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. That's the very last book of the Bible. Revelation, sometimes people get scared of it. You shouldn't be scared of it. Revelation in the Greek language of our New Testament simply means apocalypto. Where we got our word apocalypse, which actually doesn't mean the end. It means to uncover what was hidden. So revelation is just uncovering something that was hidden. What was hidden? Somebody say Jesus. Uh, what was hidden? Somebody say the kingdom. Uh, now, now watch this. Revelation 5.10. And he has made us. Say your name. And he has made you. I don't care if you just made a decision to become a Christian 35 seconds ago. The book says he has made us kings and priests. Let me say it another way both successful and spiritual. Which means it's not either or, it's and. I get to have Jesus and do well in life. I wish I had somebody here. And he's made us to be kings and priests to our God. Watch this last part. This is the part I like. And we shall reign, now watch this, when we get to heaven. No. But most people, when they become Christians, they automatically skip to the life after life they automatically skip to when they die and quote go to heaven but Jesus never promised us heaven as a place to live he promised the kingdom of heaven which is a lifestyle and we shall reign where on the earth which means we're not dying to get over to heaven we're living well to bring heaven down to earth somebody say that's the kingdom and he has made say your name to our God and say this part like you mean it. Shout it at me like an army and we shall reign. One, two, ready, read. Which means you weren't created to be some sorry somebody. You weren't created to be some average nobody. God made you to rule, to reign, to conquer, and to subdue. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. Father, speak to us through this message that we would walk in who you've ordained and called for us to be. I pray that this message tonight would be ministered with great simplicity so that we would be able to walk it out in our everyday lives. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, how five, two or three people around you and ask them this question. Say, what next? What next? What next? What next? You can be seated tonight. Once you become a Christian and give your life to Jesus or become a Jesus follower or become a Christian or become a born again believer, all of those terms mean the same thing. The next natural question for virtually everyone is what next? Now that I've become a Christian, what next? I need to tell us that being a Christian is not some hobby. It's not some recreational activity or simply a nice t-shirt. It is a lifestyle. Say a lifestyle which means it's a whole new way to live our lives. And here's the reality, church. We can't have relationship with God on our terms. It must be on his terms. And he lays out some basics for how he has relationship with his people. Say Christianity is on God's terms, not my terms. 
what next is not just a question for new believers. It's a question for believers that finally want to take this Christianity thing seriously. Because I want to ask you, why be saved from your sin, saved from death, saved from hell, saved from drama, saved from issues, but not be serious about it? I tell you to look at somebody and say, I'm saved and serious about it. See, oftentimes Christians will talk about being saved, but the reality is, is we're not serious about it. We think that simply because we prayed a prayer that that's the end, not realizing that the prayer is simply the beginning of something brand new. When we give our lives to Jesus, we didn't make it to the finish line. In fact, we're just at the starting place. But the beauty of it is since he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, that even in the starting place, it's already finished with him. Now watch this. So, so I want to give you five things. Somebody say five things of what to do next now that you've given your life to Jesus or that you finally are getting serious about it. And here's what I love about him is he's not the God of a second chance. Because if you're like me, I used my second chance about 10 minutes after my first chance. No honest people with me tonight. All right. He's not the God of a second chance. He's the God of another chance. Why? Because every time I fail, every time I make a mistake, every time I think I'm not good enough, every time I think that God won't have me, he says, son, I gave you another chance. That's why the scripture says that when we wake up every morning that he gives us brand new mercy. Uh, You do know something about grace and mercy. Grace is when God gives you good things you don't deserve. Mercy is when God blocks negative things that you do deserve. And I don't know about you. I've not been perfect all my life I've not done everything right all my life in fact it's some stuff I'm still pressing through now but when I got up this morning I got me some grace and I got me some mercy high five somebody say grace and mercy so here's the first thing what next faithful church attendance at harvest what next faithful church attendance at harvest say it with me church faithful church attendance at harvest now Hebrews 10 25 it says this not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in other words he says listen Don't give up on coming together. In other words, he says, listen, don't let something else be more important than the assembling of the church together, as is the manner of some. So this was happening back then. It happens to some now. But exhorting or building up one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, right there when it says the day, it just means the day of judgment that was later to come. The church is like a hospital, but it's more than that because in a hospital, once you get well, you leave. I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy people who come in my life to use me to get better, and once they're better, they leave. Uh, I'm the only one. You ever had some people that came in your life that they only came to get to come up, and once they got to come up, they left? Let me translate. The come up is when they came to your life, they didn't have this, they didn't have that, they didn't have this, they didn't have that, and being around you, they learned some stuff. They got some uh, things in their lives put together, and then the moment they thought they were on the come up, then they walked away. Well, if you don't like it, guess who else doesn't like it? Touch your neighbor and say, God doesn't like it either. And pastors don't like it either. Church is like a hospital, but it's more than a hospital because in a hospital, once you get well, you leave. The church is where we train to reign like we read in Revelation 5.10. You weren't created to be a victim all your life. Yes, you've been hurt. Yes, some crazy things have happened to you. Yes, some bad stuff went down, but touch your neighbor and say, that's over. You were created to rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. Well, being more than a conqueror means you had to actually go through some stuff and conquer it. Stop complaining about the stuff you have to go through and realize to be more than a conqueror, you're going to have to put your foot on top of some stuff. You're going to have to beat some stuff. You're going to have to overcome some stuff. But you are born to rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Revelation 5.10 says, and we shall reign where? On the earth. Say now. Too many people, when they become Christians, they get stuck in this very bad mentality of spirituality. Which is, I'm just worried about what happens when I die, so I never live. And the problem with that means is that you're not doing anything substantive nor significant while you're here because all of your eggs have been placed in when you're not here. Not realizing you were sent here to actually solve a problem. So let me give you three words that apply to who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be and why we come to church. Say, I come to church to train so I can reign. There's three words for you. The first is when you become a Christian, you're untouchable. 
That means not able or allowing to be touched or affected, unable to be matched or rival. Please understand, once you give your lives to Jesus, you're no longer in a class with everybody you used to run with, everybody you used to hang around with, all of your family folks that don't want to come to Jesus, all of your relatives, and there is a difference, that don't want to come to Jesus. You're in a class all by your own. You're not alone. You're unique. Say, I'm unique. That's why the scripture says we are a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, which means we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Say, I'm untouchable. It says this, not able or allowing to be touched, which means once you become a Christian, stuff that used to mess with you, you look at that and say, baby, you must not know about me. I was sent to rule and reign on the earth. That's too small for me to be worried about. That's too small for me to get upset about. That's too small for me to worry about it. I dare you to have five, three people and say, stop sweating the small stuff. Stop sweating. And by that, I mean stop letting small people and small situations and small things keep you down. You better realize you were sent to reign on the earth. And to reign on the earth, you can't keep playing with kids. What's this? But then there's another word. You're unbreakable. Say, I'm unbreakable. That means you're not liable to break easily. And then thirdly, you are unstoppable. That means impossible to stop or prevent. When you are a Christian and you come to church and you come to harvest, you train to reign. Which means, watch this, doesn't mean you're not going to have some tough days. Doesn't mean you're not going to have some times where you want to take the towel, throw it in, jump off the cliff, take the car into the river. What it simply means is, while I'm walking through and going through whatever I'm going through, it's making me better. It's making me stronger, making me wiser. In fact, it was good, the psalmist said, that I was afflicted. When you're a Christian, you can look at the rough stuff and say, this is good for me. I wish I had some witnesses in the church. When, uh, says, when you love Jesus, you can look at the stuff and say, it was good that I went through that because I learned not to trust that type of person. It was good that I went through that because I learned to keep God first in every area of my life. It was good. Touch the name and say, it's good. Not attending church faithfully is like never going to school and expecting to pass the exam. That's not how this works. See, Jesus loves and he's militantly devoted to his church. And in fact, the greatest thing on the planet is the church. Say the greatest thing on the planet is the church. Now, church comes from this word, ecclesia, which means a called out people, meaning that the church is not a building nor a place. It's a people. That's why we are harvest. We don't go to church. We are the church. Which means at the mall, if I'm there, the church is there. Which means we don't act, watch this, two different ways in the church building and outside of the church building. Because everywhere we are, we are the church. Which means you don't have to be two people, you be one person because wherever you are, there's the church. Watch this now. 1 Peter 2.9 says we've been called out of darkness into the light. Now, here's what that means. Called out. Say called out. That means it's a process. And I want to encourage you, don't quit on God nor church during the calling out process. It may be messy. It may be dirty. It may be painful. But somebody say, it's worth it. The church is so incredible. Say, how incredible? Everything, including nightclubs, try to copy us. Bishop, what do you mean? When folk go to the club, they dress up. There's a bartender serving spirits. Okay, let me, let me, because some of y'all got lost. Some of you got lost because maybe you've never been to the club. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, okay. okay. So, so, so the bartender, bartender, he, he's serving up spirits. Say so he's serving up spirits. Uh, 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 that's what they call liquor, which is a whole nother subject that I don't have time to jump into tonight because why would they call it spirits? Unless they're telling you what you're getting yourself into before you get into it. Which is why you can't play with spirits like that. It's about just need to take the edge off. It's a spirit. I ain't trying to get deep and spooky on you. I'm just trying to tell you there's a reason they call it spirits. Watch this though. Bartender sitting up there. He's dressed up. Asks you what your problems are. Asks you what's going on in your life. And then serves you a drink to help deal with it gives you a spirit to help deal with it. Say they're copying us. When the music comes on, and it may be your favorite song, it, 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 might, be, it, it might be a song that, you know, you may not dance to nothing else. 
But when you hear that one song, you, you could be all the way parking on the wall, parking on the dance floor. But when you heard that one song, come on, you ain't got to uh, uh, feel like you're being judged because you're at Harvest tonight. Touch your neighbor and say, be real. Some of you from your old club days remember because when your song came on, you're like, wait a minute, that's my jam. Hold up. And you got stank face with it too, like. Stank face is a certain way that you look when it's so good that it looks like it's bad. That ain't nothing but cheap praise and worship. When it is your jam, what do you do? Clap your hands? Lift your hands? Dance? Touch your neighbor and say they copy in the church. Uh-huh, they even charge you, they even do tithes. Called a cover charge. And it's funny, you'll pay them and then get an attitude with giving to God. No, I said, there's lots of reasons people give that don't attend church faithfully, but none of them are valid. And maybe you used to use these, but I declare that day's over in your life. Here's one of them. The church just wants my money. And that's untrue about this church. But we don't say that about McDonald's. You don't say that about your doctor. You don't say that uh, uh, about your doctor who you can't see without a copay or your lawyer that won't speak to you without a retainer. Jesus says he'll know you, uh, he'll know where your heart or mind is. That's the word heart in scripture most often means mind because of what we do with our money. And when we give our tithes, offerings, and first fruits, and if you don't know what those are, we got teachings available for you, messages available for you. Uh, the 2 Corinthians 9 teaches us that God surges the sower. That means when you're a sower, when you're a giver, you surge. Surge means you go far fast. Say, when I'm a giver, I go far fast. And here's the reality. As your pastor, I don't want any harvester lacking. But secondly, you need to know that your faithful giving empowers harvest to reach people you may never meet, but your faithful giving will change their life. Think of how many people right now are watching this message that you will never, ever meet, but because of your faithful giving, we got the mic, we got the camera, we got everything we needed so we could reach them. You ought to high-five your neighbor and say, my giving takes me further faster. Say, I'm changing lives with it. Here's another reason some people give for why they don't attend church faithfully. There's too many hypocrites in church. Okay, first off, let's define hypocrite. Hypocrite actually means, watch this, it doesn't mean that you, don't pre uh, that you pr uh, pr preach something different than you practice. The word hypocrite, by definition, actually means you believe something different than what you speak. It actually means to be an actor. So that means you can preach something and believe it and not do it. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. That just means you don't do what you say. But if you say something and don't believe what you say, that's hypocrisy. So first off, let's just get the technical definition correct. But here's the reality. Church isn't a museum of perfect people. It's where imperfect people love a perfect God. But here's the deal. You don't say, I ain't going to the gym because there's too many out of shape people there. How many people, watch this. I was chatting with somebody the other day, and, and they were expressing some frustrations. And I said, listen, listen, if you think of it like a hospital, I said, how many people go to the hospital and say, I'm sick of all these sick people? That's what it is. Somebody say, that's what it is. Nobody says, I'm not going to the gym because they're out of shape people working out in there. So why would you say, I'm not going to church because there's hypocrites in there? Test your name and say, that makes no sense. And in fact, in Matthew 7, Jesus teaches us that we should check our lives before we try to check someone else's life. Here's my question. How, how is it you have that much time to see what somebody else is doing? Uh, there used to be a song that said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. Here's another reason people give. I don't believe in organized religion. Question, then why do you like everything else organized? I tell you what, since you don't like organized religion, you probably don't like getting an organized paycheck. So let's just have your job, give you put something on it. Because you don't want it organized, right? Touch your neighbor and say, that makes no sense. Well, watch this. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion or disorder, which means he's the God of order, as in all the churches of the saints. The reality is, is when people say they don't like organized religion, what they're really saying is that they, don't, they have an authority problem, which really actually normally points to a deeper issue that they probably have a father problem. They have a daddy problem. They have a mama problem. Maybe they've been abandoned and so they don't trust anybody that stands in front of them. But they'll put it under the guise of I don't like organized religion when the truth is, is they don't like the way their daddy organized their life. 
Watch this. Here's another reason people give. I don't get anything out of church. Well, watch this. At Harvest, if you're applying what you learn in the messages, I think there are some witnesses, you'll see some results in your life. And James 1.25 says this, that the doer is blessed, not the hearer. So watch this. You can't just come to church and just say, well, I sat there and I listened to that and nothing changed for me on Monday. Well, did you do something with what it was that you received? That's your neighbor say, you got to work. Say, you got to work it. You got to work it. It takes sustained exposure to the sun to get a tan. Anybody tan real easily? Tan real easily? Okay, watch this. Sometimes when I travel to certain places, uh, and I travel to certain places, and, uh, and it's certain seasons, summertime, sometimes my, I'll look at my arm, and it'll look like I was like a Dairy Queen dip cone. Like they dipped one part of my arm except for the rest of it. Anybody ever had the Dairy Queen dip cone? You know they do. Now, if you were like me, back when I used to eat a lot of ice cream and desserts and sweets and stuff like that because it was good. When they dip, I didn't want mine dipped once. And I'd watch them too. I'd stand right there. Say, oh, baby, go and put that back in there a second time. Go and just give me a double dip. Now, watch this. It takes sustained exposure to the sun to get a tan. It takes sustained exposure to a life-giving environment like harvest for your life to be transformed. You can't just came once, hit it, quit it, and then say, well, my life didn't change. Say sustained exposure. Here's another reason people, people give uh, for why they, they don't go to church faithfully. God is everywhere, and I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. Okay, question. Would you like somebody that you were supposed to be in a romantic relationship to say that to you? No, be honest. Be like, okay, listen, listen. Listen, people are everywhere. We text. Like, I'm going to need a little bit more than a text. I know you're busy, but you ain't that busy. Now, you, you. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? Here's the reality. Uh, Jesus went to church faithfully. Now, who's Jesus? God. Jesus is God in a body. That's what he is. Emmanuel, God with us. The anthropos is the technical term. The God, anthropos, human, the God human. 100% God, 100% man at the same time. Somebody say same time. Check this out. If God went to church faithfully, Bishop, how do you know God went to church faithfully? Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went up into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read it. Now, a couple of things I want to point out in the text. Leave the verse up for a moment. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and his custom. Say his custom. Now, why did Luke have to record that this was his custom? This is Dr. Luke, who's a Gentile. He's a non-Jew. Because he wanted us to know that even God made it part of his weekly routine to make sure that God went to go hear about himself. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As a Hebrew, he would have went on a Sabbath day. And watch this, he stood up to read. So not only did God go to church, but God served in church. And if God was at church faithfully and served at church, here's the question, what exempts us? Yes, God is omnipresent, but omnipresent is nothing more than a cheap substitute for sustained presence. This is what he means, sustained presence. It's because when we come together as the church, we are his body together. And not just the body, but we are his army. We are his people that are rising up to do something for his purposes. Here's another reason people give why they don't come to church faithfully. I was hurt in the church. Let's correct some things. You were hurt by a person that happened to go to church. The church didn't hurt you. It got quiet right there. Bishop, I got church hurt. No, you got people hurt. You've been hurt on your job, though. Didn't stop working. Hurt by family, and you still show up for the barbecue. Had a car accident, and were literally hurt, but you're still driving. So that's not true. Let me just give you the reality of the matter. Get in where you fit in, and in case you don't know, you fit here. The reality is, is people hurt us, not places. People do things, and people are going to do that everywhere. People say everywhere. everywhere. You can go to the mall and get hurt. Were you going to stop shopping? <laughs> I wish some, la- I wish some ladies, ladies would make a little noise uh, tonight. Just ladies, just make a little noise, a little noise, a little noise. Okay, ladies, make a lot of noise because your little noise is a little too little. Make a lot of noise. 
Now what's this? I wish somebody would keep you out tomorrow. In fact, the next time you go back after experiencing some mall hurt, you'll go back militant. Oh, no, I'm getting the sale today. I'm getting the sale today. We'll go get the manager. We'll go get the manager. Oh, no. Oh, everything's fine. I'm, no, I'm getting the sale. Just keeping my, for me from getting my 5%, the devil is a lie. You'll go back militant. Okay, all right, here's another thing. I don't really need no pastor. Me and God got our own thing. I don't need a man of God. All right, here's the reality, Jeremiah 23, 4. That's another reason people give. I will set up, Harvest, we know this scripture well, shepherds or pastors over them. Now, who's saying this? God is saying this. And what does God say he's going to give you? A pastor. So is it true to say you don't need one? No. Why? Whose idea was it? God's. If it's God's idea, that means it's God's idea. <laughs> I will set up shepherds or pastors over them. And in case you don't know, I'm yours. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of that. Who will feed them. That means teach them, lead them, coach them. And they shall what? Because of their pastor and the messages their pastor gives them. And they shall do what no more? Fear no more, nor be dismayed, which means to be stressed out, discouraged, beaten down, or broken down. Nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. And I need to say this, because sometimes people think that being a pastor means you should be a perfect man. A pastor shouldn't be perfect because a man of God is a man of God. And the God of the man loves the man, but he is still a man. So sometimes, you know, people, sometimes people, if, if you know, can get really offended by things that don't make sense. Well, you know, I walked past Bishop and, 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 and he didn't even see me. Well, part of that was because you were hiding behind 43 other people that were standing in front of you. And so I didn't do this to try to see there. Bishop Foreman, what's the point you're trying to make? And sometimes people have expectations that are unrealistic. And those unrealistic expectations can sometimes create disappointment simply because the expectation is unrealistic in the first place. That's kind of like you going to the ocean and saying, I ain't trying to get wet, though. Touch your neighbor and say, that's unrealistic. All right, watch this. Here, here's another reason people give for why they don't faithfully attend church. I only go to church when I'm going through something, right? Like when I'm going through something, that's when I go through church. All right, watch this. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this. Now, God has set the members, every one of them in the body as it pleases him. Watch this. You'll keep having to hit reset in life until you fully commit to the church you've been set in life. Say it again. You'll keep hitting reset in life until you fully commit to the church you've been set in life. Which means if that's been your story, I got good news for you. That changes for you today. Because some resets are good. Some resets are unnecessary. Some resets are simply a result of the fact that you get off doing your own thing. And so now you've got a reset. But that reset was unnecessary had you continued in that which God had ordained. Here's another reason people give. I don't feel like going to church. It's amazing because, you know, um, sometimes we want all of these things in life. Yet our work effort for all the things we want. Any, 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 any. You ever seen somebody like that in your life that they want everything and some more? Some more is a southern colloquialism which means and some more. But they don't want to work for anything. And if it takes them a few extra hours to get it done, I don't want to do it. And if it takes them a little bit more time to do it, they don't want to do it. But the reality is, is that anything that's not worth putting something into isn't worth having. Amen. Let me say it another way. Anytime something costs nothing, you'll treat it that way. Which is why, let me parenthetically insert this in here and throw this in here for somebody. Which is why it's important that you make sure you understand the value that God has ordained for your life. Because if you don't understand the value God has ordained for your life, you'll sell yourself for cheaper than what your market value is. Mr. Foreman, what do you mean? See, you're supposed to be on 10. On 10, on 10, on 10 this year at Harvest, we've been talking about how God wants us to be on 10. On 10 simply means experiencing the best of the best. But watch this. If you don't know that you're the best of the best, you'll settle for the rest. But you weren't built to settle. Say, I'm not a settler. 
I'm a pioneer. So watch this. I don't feel like going to church. Well, you know, it's like I'm tired. Okay, well, you go work. Oh, I'm tired. Where you, you know, you do all these things. Watch this. In Isaiah 61, 3, praise was called a garment that was to be put on for the spirit of heaviness. Spirit real simply just means the mindset of heaviness. Anybody ever felt heavy? You just felt like, oh, I got all of this weight. I got all of this pressure. Watch this. Which means our response to not feeling like going to church, watch this, is to go anyway. Bishop, why? Since it's a garment, that means it covers me. I got on a vest. And this vest is a garment that covers me and protects me. And when I put it on, even if I don't feel like putting it on, I'm going to keep this shirt white. You missed it. If praise is a garment, then church is a garment, which means even when I don't feel like it, I put it on. I do it because it covers me and it protects me. A natural question, if you just became a Christian, is, well, how do I determine what church to go to or who my pastor is? And it's very simple. It's the voice of the shepherd, the voice of the pastor. The scripture says sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Sheep didn't see well. And in scripture, a pastor and the people he led were often likened and parallel to a shepherd and sheep. Say a shepherd Shepherd. and sheep, pastor and people. Now, check this out. Here's what's significant about it is that because sheep didn't see well, they had to rely on their hearing. And every shepherd made a distinct sound that only the sheep that were assigned to them would respond to, which means he could get up and speak, but the sheep that weren't assigned to him wouldn't draw to him. But the sheep that were assigned to him would draw to him. And the sheep, watch this, that he was assigned to, he would be drawn to. So he'd be able to look out at the pack and say, oh, that's not, come over here, no, 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 come over here, come, come over here. Say, it's the voice of the shepherd. Not the programs, not how long the worship experience is, not the music, not the kids' ministry. No, God assigns a pastor to you and you to a pastor. So at the first thing we've got to realize, what next? Say, faithful church attendance at Harvest. All right, here's number two. Somebody say number two. Get involved at Harvest. Now, to get involved at Harvest right now, that first step is called KLU or Kingdom Life University. Any folk going through KLU that are in this experience tonight? Awesome. Here's why we do that. Psalm 92, 13 says this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Wait a minute. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Say to flourish, I have to be fully invested. Come on, talk to me. Say to flourish, I have to be fully invested. Those who are planted, those who are 100% committed, those who are all in, say, I got to go all in, shall flourish. And notice where he says, in the house of the Lord. Now, we are the church, but the place we come together to gather is also the church. So when it says house of the Lord, he's referring here to the place we come to gather. Say this place called harvest. Now, once you complete KLU, you can begin to serve in the incredible dream team of Harvest. Any folks that serve in our dream team? Now, serving is God's command, not his suggestion. Psalm 102 says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, notice what he doesn't say or do. He doesn't make a suggestion. Say it's a command. Come on, talk to me. Say it's a command. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So serving is a command, not a suggestion. So once you complete KLU, the next best thing to do is to begin to serve and begin to use your life to change the lives of others. Well, Bishop, I'm working through all these issues. Yeah, but you can still use your life to change the lives of others. Bishop, I'm still working some stuff out of my life. Great. Best place to do it is using your life to change the lives of others. God not waiting for you to be clean before he uses you. As he uses you, he'll clean you. Does that make sense? Touch your neighbor and say, you're ready. In fact, there used to be a song years ago. Some of you might understand this. There used to be a song. Used to be a song. Somebody said, used to be a song. You, you, might, you might know this song. Song says, you may be young, but you're ready. Watch this. You might not be young, but you're ready. You may have been through a storm, but you're ready. You may have been through hell, but you're ready. You may have felt like giving up, but you're ready. Whatever your blank is, you might be blank, but touch your neighbor and say, you're ready. To use your life to change somebody else's life. Here it is. So first, faithful attendance, uh, faithful church attendance uh, at Harvest. Then the second thing is what? Get involved at Harvest. We're answering the question, what next after you become a Christian? Number three, command your day with prayer and daily Bible reading. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when do most people, if you grew up in church or you knew anything, when do, when do people always say the praise? First thing, when you get up in the morning. Problem is, you're already several hours into the day. Which means the day's already been set. Say, so the day's already been set. Now, James 4, 8 says this. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Check this out. When you command your day with prayer in the daily Bible reading, we teach you this concept in KLU, which we update it every year. We update it, refresh it, make it fresh, make it brand new so that you're always growing. Because sometimes we want a new thing when we need to master an existing thing. You ever had somebody who was trying to add stuff to their plate and you were like, well, how about you just finish what's on your plate? Okay, watch this. Maybe you can't relate to that. Watch this. You ever go to Thanksgiving and you made your first plate? Okay, no, no. Okay, so some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And, and then watch this. You hadn't finished that one and began the process of making a second plate. And part of it was because you knew the biscuits were going to be gone because everybody always takes the good rolls. I wish I had a witness in here. So you were putting four and five rolls on your plate just so you could touch them so wouldn't nobody else want them. Thank, thank you for my honest people in the church. So sometimes we want to add new stuff having mastered existing stuff. So check this out. Command your day with prayer and daily Bible reading in our app. And I encourage you to get our free Harvest Mobile app. We have several different Bible reading uh, plans that are in there where you can read the entire Bible through the year. Which means, check this out. If you've never read the whole Bible in your life, guess what? You can get the free mobile app, go to the daily reading plan, and you can read the entire Bible in a year. Somebody said, that's awesome. But here's the thing I love about it. In our mobile app, which is totally free to you, by the way, because of the faithful giving of the people of Harvest, it's not free to put out, but because of the faithful giving of the people of Harvest, you're able to do it. Watch this. Our, our mobile app, what happens is, is that in there, I like reading, but I love listening. So you can get the audio version of the daily Bible reading. And I don't know about you, but when I listen to it, anybody else you listen to it, I do the audio version. When I listen to it, I can, uh, all of a sudden, it's like a movie going on in my mind. And I'll be in my kitchen listening to it, be like, wow. Say, command my day with prayer and daily Bible reading. And when should we do that? The evening prior. Now, Bishop, you're saying, don't get up, don't pray when I get up. No, you pray then too. Just make sure you command your day, you set your day, the evening prime. We teach you how to do that in KOU, and there's messages available. So first, first thing after what next is what? Come on, let me hear you, church. What's number two? Get involved at Harvest. What's number three? Command your day with prayer and the daily Bible reading. Here's number four. Make the big ask. Make the big ask. Bishop, what in the world do you mean? Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned. This means everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's failed. Everybody will make mistakes. Everybody will fail. And everybody needs Jesus not to only save us, but to empower us to live the abundant life that he died for. So he died for me to have an abundant life. Once you become a Christian, it's time to make some Christians. I'm going to say it again. Once you become a Christian, it's time to make some Christians. And this is where sometimes Christians uh, don't quite understand the uh, totality of what we're to do. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Check this out. Say, I'm an ambassador. See, when you become a Christian, your citizenship changes and you get a new job as an ambassador of heaven. Say, I'm an ambassador of heaven first timothy 2 3 says this for this is the good and acceptable in the sight of god, of god our savior verse 4 who desires who who the people who look like you the people who make the same mistakes you do people without tattoos people with tattoos tall people short people black people white people who everybody He's not just your God. He wants everybody to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Say everybody. Now, so watch this, watch this. There's, 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 there's a couple of categories of that. Because, because you have unchurched people who have never been to church. Then you have de-churched people who went to church then fell away. And then you have churched people. 
Now, watch this. The big ask is that you should invite everybody and in anybody to this place called Harvest. And don't say, well, they don't look like the church type. What does that mean? The church type. Jesus desires who? All men. Say everybody and anybody. There's nobody too low where his blood cannot flow. And the thing I love about it, when you talk about the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed for us, it simply means it washes us, it makes us clean, it makes us brand new. Check this out. Is liquid can get anywhere. Say liquid can get anywhere. In the book, The Unchurched Next Door, it says this, that 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend if they were ever invited. So my question is, have you been making the big ask? Got to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Ask. The church is inclusive of everyone and no one should be excluded because we leave them out. Amen. Got real quiet right there. Well, Bishop, what about this person? They shouldn't be excluded. Okay, it got real quiet right there. This isn't a museum for perfect people. This is a place where everybody and anybody can come to train to reign. Somebody say everybody and anybody. We let you in. God let me in. Just the neighbor say, if we ain't let you in, anybody can come. Sometimes church people, once they become Christians, can get very judgmental. And they can start looking down at people and pointing their finger at people and people who, who do this or do that or do this or say this or say that. And they can start looking down on people many times about subjects and issues they don't even know what they're really talking about. But sometimes people's morality gets boosted because they feel like they're morally superior to other people. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is everybody and anybody should be at the party. Say everybody should be at the party. Say everybody should be at this party. Now I know what you're saying. Well, Bishop, what if I ask someone to come to church and they don't come. The worst they can say is no, and no is not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of Jesus. So that's not really your problem. Here's the fifth and final thing. Somebody say, what next? Decide to be all in. You've got to make up your mind that you're following God and you're going all in. And when you make this decision, you need to expect spiritual opposition. I think there's some witnesses in here that when you really made the decision to be all in, wasn't it amazing how all of a sudden stuff tried to come against you and skip? I heard one preacher say it this way, and it's not theologically accurate, but I like the imagery that it gives. He says, watch this. If you never run into the devil, that's because you're walking with him. That's not theologically accurate, but we'll go with it. Watch this. What he's saying is, is watch this. Whenever you make a decision to start walking and living your life for God's purposes and living your life for God's word and living your life to glorify God, then who used to be your running buddy? becomes your enemy and so now y'all are going to cross paths and when you cross paths you know he's going to try to throw a little salt in your face going to try to throw a little sand in your face but touch your neighbor say don't sweat that you've already overcome that to be all in you have to decide what can no longer be in to be all in you have to decide what can no longer be in Bishop Fulmer what do you mean I want to give you two scriptures and we're done is this helping anybody Luke 9 uh, verse number 60 Jesus said to him let the dead bear their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God and another also said to him Lord I will follow you but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house interesting he said let me go talk to my family about this the gentleman prior in the previous verse he said let me go bury my father who just passed away look at verse 62 but Jesus said to him nobody having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Now, Bishop Foreman, you're trying to say Jesus didn't want this man to go tell his family all the great things that happened? No. What Jesus knew is that when he went to tell his family, his family was going to talk him out of it. Let's be honest. Can we have an honesty moment? How many things have you been talked out of by people who meant well but didn't know better? And years later, you look at it and say, I never should have listened to so and so. Check it out. Jesus said, 
if you're going to put your hand to the plow, if you're going to be all in, stop looking back. You either tell them, listen, you come on with me. I'm a Christian now. I'm going to church now. I make some mistakes. I may still say some stuff that, you know, I ain't supposed to say. I may still do some stuff I ain't supposed to do. I ain't where I want to be, but I'm making progress. Every day I'm her. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Every day I'm moving. I'm moving. Every day I'm moving. I'm moving. So, so watch this. Here's what he says. He says. He says, if you put your hand to the plow and you keep looking back, Number one, you're not going to be able to make good progress. Anybody ever cut grass? Cut grass. I know now we, you know, I don't know. But I remember, I remember, I used to love cut grass, and particularly the one, the one where you'd ride the, the, the ride, the, the, you know, the rider, the rider. <laughs> I used to love that. That was like the most fun thing to me ever to do ever. Like I would look for a big old field, be like, I, that ain't even our grass. I'd like to cut that. <laughs> just, just need to cut it. Just let me cut it. Let me cut it. And, and watch this. But here's the problem. If you're not looking forward, what makes a, 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 a lawn look nice when the lines are straight? The lines have to look nice. Nothing worse than grass where it's like, you know, zigzag or like. Okay, let me give you another example because some of you can't relate to the grass. You ever vacuumed your living room? Now, I don't know about you, but when I vacuum, those lines, the way those lines look are extremely important to me. And if I mess him up, I'll go back and start it all over and do it again. Here's what Jesus was saying. But if you're looking back, how are you going to expect to make any substantive progress? You can't see where you're going because you keep looking at people who don't want to go with you. So let me give you something to help you. You're going to learn how to go with the goers. Say, I'm going with the goers. And that's why church attendance is so important because you'll have a lot of people around you that are goers that when you feel like giving up, they'll say, keep going. When you feel like throwing in the town, they'll say, keep going. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's nothing more than you did a good job because you'll keep going when you get around goers. One more scripture, Luke 17, verse 31. says, in that day, he was on the hot stop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come to take them away. And likewise, the one who's on the field, let him not turn back. Say, don't turn back. Say it, say it like me. Say, don't turn back. Verse 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life. What, what do you mean save his life? The you you used to be. The one that always needed to be the life of the party. Yet the truth is, is you had no life in the party because you knew you had no business in the party. Got real quiet right there. You know, the you that used to try to always impress people that you didn't like anyhow. The, the, the you that you used to be, the you that used to, 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 to whatever it was. He says, if you try to save that you, you're going to lose the you I want you to be. And if you, watch this, and whoever loses who you are, you're going to preserve who I want you to be. But there's this interesting verse in there, verse 32, and I'm done. There's this interesting verse because verse 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. In Genesis, there's a story about a man named Lot. Lot now was a relative of Abraham. You've probably heard of Abraham. Lot and his family were told to flee the city. They were told to flee the city because the angels had come and they were getting ready to destroy the city because of how the people treated their poor in the city. That's why the city was destroyed. Scripture teaches us. Got quiet there. And Lot's wife, she's walking out of the city. She's going. Somebody says she's moving forward. Says she's making progress. But then the Bible in Genesis makes this interesting statement because it says, and she looks and she turns. Watch this. And she goes, Genesis says, and she checks behind him. Now you'd interestingly or, or, or initially, excuse me, look at that and think, oh, well, she just looked back. Somebody say that's level one revelation. Level one is, is God said, flee this city. She looks back at it like she has remorse for what wasn't good to her anyhow. Like she has remorse for the old her that she was while she was there, but that's no longer who she was. See, when you're a Christian, every day you're being made brand new. Say, every day I'm being made brand new. But watch the text. Level two revelation of that. What does that mean? Another level of revelation. Revelation is the uncovering of a thing. She looked behind 
and she became a pillar of salt. You missed it. She looked behind Lot. She had to check behind who she was around, which proves she didn't even trust who she was around, which means she never should have been in that scenario in the first place. Mr. Foreman, what are you trying to say? When you make a decision to become a Christian, if you have to constantly check behind the people around you, you're thwarting your own progress. You're forfeiting your own progress. And here's the verse 33 of Luke 17. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Our life is not about us. It's not about me. Now, I know that's crazy because you're like, well, Bishop, it's my life. How is my life not about me? No. Now that you've given your life to Jesus, and truth be told, even before you did, because before you did, the scripture says, before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. Which means before you actually became a Christian, he actually knew you. So this isn't something new. This is something old. This just seems new to you. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I sent you to the earth for a purpose, he told Jeremiah. Say, my life is not about me. And when you get that understanding in your life, these five things, very simple things, these five things will be easy for you to apply in your life. Say, what next? First thing, faithful church attendance at Harvest. What's number two? Get involved at Harvest. Number three, command your day with prayer and daily Bible reading. Number four, make the big ask. Number five, decide to be all in. Somebody holler, I'm all in. Somebody holler, I'm all in. For somebody that's going to be watching this message that just gave their lives to Jesus, I want you to shout it out for them so we can shout it together. One, two, three. I'm all in. Say it again. Say it again. One more time. Somebody give God praise tonight if you're all in. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.